What is up, guys? It's your boy, Connor Zapparo. Wow, that was, I was trying to be funny, but that was extremely not funny. Welcome back to another episode of Teeing It Up with CMV. I'm your host, Connor, coming at you live for another Wednesday's edition of your favorite sports talk podcast. Um, I'm here, as always, with my co-host, Vladdy. What's going on since we last talked? Not much. Um, had a good weekend. Went up to Harsons Island, Friends Cottage. Uh, weather was less than ideal on Saturday, which is kind of like the main day when we were there. So that was unfortunate, but still had a great time. Um, indulged in some uh, adult yeah. beverages and then just kind of vibe hung out. The weather's starting to kind of finally turn. And I know as I say this, we'll get one more week of like flurries and low teens because winter in Michigan's like that nagging girlfriend who keeps opening the door and just one more thing never goes away um but went for a run earlier which is always great love it when the kind of the weather turns to shorts and like some kind of long sleeve shirt and I can go for a run but other than that nothing really work is work it's going well what about you school life how, how, how have you been the last week I'm good um had a good weekend. Went out Friday. Didn't do much the rest of the weekend. Um, school is good. We're like I kind of say every week, closer and closer to crunch time. Um, got my one of the big projects is doing like this oral argument as part of the mock trial. So we got that out this afternoon. So now I can just kind of focus on hindering down for finals, which is will be nice. I'm also getting ready to move out of the parents' house. That's a little scary endeavor. I'll probably talk about that more as the stories come about. Um, Do you have a set date? Um, I have a set date in mind. Will it actually happen? We'll see. Um, I'm kind of a master procrastinator, and I'm I'm kind of in no rush, but also like I'm gonna have the time in May to do it. But like I could also do it in June. So we'll see. Um, anyways, this podcast is not about Connor's moving arrangements. It's more <laughs> so about the sports world, uh, which uh, for, I would honestly call this a relatively lame time. I know March Madness is still going heavy. We have the final four this upcoming weekend. That'll kind of be the base of this episode. Um, but after kind of the Thursday, Friday slate of the Sweet 16, the tournament kind of dries out a little bit, especially if you don't have your team or kind of these cooler stories. Like I know Florida Atlantic, which we'll get into, is a pretty cool story. Uh, but last year, obviously, St. Peter's making it Elite Eight, teams like that. Um, and again, obviously, we'll kind of – I guess that kind of moves us into our first point and one of the hometown teams we focus on. And Michigan State Thursday night played one of the greater tournament games that I can remember as far as entertainment value. Against Kansas State, you and Marquise Noel just uh, looking like a Harlem Globetrotter out there. Um, both that's both a criticism to Michigan State and a compliment to Noel. I don't. I mean, he looked every bit as special in the Elite Eight game against uh, Florida Atlantic. Um, however, uh, 98-93, Michigan State rallies to come back, mostly while Noel is out to force overtime. And honestly, for three of the five minutes of overtime was back and forth. Um, just kind of didn't get the shot. Um, had a shot at the end, but didn't literally didn't get a shot. So uh, initial thoughts on the Michigan State heartbreak that was, and the season in general for uh, Tom Izzo and the Spartans. That I don't know if the, my camera caught me kind of seething and 
not yeah, there's a lot of not, eye rolling. Yeah, it's not it's this point it's not even anger. I mean that game so that game was like you mentioned, that was one of the great back and forths. Um I know we kind of mentioned last week with the Marquette game how we were constantly ahead, but it almost felt like we were behind. This game was similar in the sense that we were constantly close, but we were always down. Like we, I think there might have been a slight time where we kind of regained the lead, like you said, after Noel turned his ankle and spent some time on the side, and it was like, wait, are we, are we going to pull this off? But for most of that game, we were playing catch up. Um, I mean, I'll talk. A, I'll talk about the game specifically. The game, entertaining, but I just, I, I think. Everything apart from the offense and even the offense, I don't know. Even, I don't even really remember how we got to 93 points because I don't really remember us doing anything spectacular. I mean, Aikens hit a couple shots, but I mean, I guess Hogarth, I mean, Aikens was th- Aikens is four of five from three. Yeah. Joey Hauser was four of seven. I mean, Tyson Walker had 16 points. He kind of shot the lights out. Hogarth at 25 points. So, yeah, no, I guess offense good. Um, I thought the defense was atrocious. I thought Tom Izzo had a stinker. Um, I mean, I know I spent all of last week saying put Jaden Akins on Marquise Noel because Jaden Akins is your most athletic guard and he should probably be the only one who can stay in front of him. And whether it be the ankle rolled because Akins didn't really get on him until after it happened or whether it just be because Akins was actually fast enough to do it, for 35 minutes Marquise Noel tortured us. And we made him, like you said, we made him look like a Harlem Globetrotter. And then Aiken showed up. And I, again, I don't know if it's the ankle. I don't know what it was. But first two possessions, you had Aiken, Aiken swat him, kind of force him into some bad, some really bad shots. Those shuck up threes. Yeah, yeah the, the 10 feet behind the three-point line, which we all thought were consistently going in because that Kansas State team wasn't really missing. And we had a super, no. we helped them out. We, we would collapse on every single drive of Noel and they would have uncontested threes. So when I say they didn't miss, we didn't, we didn't help them. Um, or we didn't hurt them. We didn't do, we didn't play any defense. So I thought, I thought the notion or the, the way they approached it of, Oh, let him get by Tyson Walker or AJ Hogard and then have five guys collapse on him in the middle so he can kick it out or play some behind the back pass or between the legs pass. I thought it was – I mean, it, it clearly didn't work in the first half. Um, Izzo didn't really adjust to it. Um, second half was still more or less the same until Aikens got on him. The help defense was some of the worst stuff I've ever seen on every single player, regardless of who it was. I mean, Hogard got beat backdoor on lobs, backdoor on cuts. Sissoko got lost on screens. Um, benched very early. Yeah, he got benched for it. I mean – Hauser didn't really there I just there wasn't a single player that actually stayed on their man and maybe that was the game plan maybe the game plan was <laughs> once Noel gets I'm not saying it in that sense I'm saying maybe the game plan was collapse on Noel and see if you can make him make a mistake because shots, he's shorter yeah. or whatever but God, that I I don't understand it um that game was that game was disappointing at the end. I know we watched it together. We we all had kind of some really sad reactions. Just kind of sat there quietly in the house as soon as yeah. it happened. And the la- you mentioned the last possession. You don't even get a shot off because everyone on your team is a beta. They're, the only dog is AJ Hogan. Yeah. It's, it's disappointing that he is the only one because he's probably the worst shooter out of the four guys that touched the ball in the last possession. It was just 
I mean, yeah, Joe, I think some of your criticism for Izzo is fair in the some of the defensive adjustments. I don't think necessarily all of it because you said, uh, I think to a certain extent, wide open threes, a uh, coach can only do so much uh, as far as that goes. I mean, um, if you tell your if you tell your team not to collapse, there is no wide open threes. It's just Noel runs in right. Sissoko, I, and other I, I do. That's why I said I do agree. I do agree with the majority of the defensive comments, uh, but I do agree. I don't really know how you I, the play was kind of drawn up for multiple things to happen, and you're right that it was just a bunch of betas who wouldn't take a shot. Like Tyson Walker had a step in three at the beginning of the play. Then it, it kind of unraveled, and Malik Hall had a chance. Now we don't really want him shooting the ball. No, we do it, not. As bad as he was, which he was horrible, he missed some clutch free throws. Oh, I forgot, the, I forgot about the, the free throws. His defense was even worse than I think some of the names you mentioned, especially since that's kind of what he was out there to do yep. uh, when they went small later in the second half. Um, but he he did contribute 15 points. I guess you could say, well, the team scored 93. Everybody's going to get their cookies in a night like that. But he did kind of trip in uh, offensively to where we were critical in, in the Marquette game of him. Um, however, every other asset of his game um, was just not to a standard that was going to win. Yeah, no, I mean, you, you make a really valid point with the uh, – you, you brought up the free throws. The free throws were – not great. I mean, Hauser missing the front end of a one-and-one. One. You had Hogard missing, I think, a, a pair of free throws late. Malik Hall missing. And Malik Hall's free throws were ugly, ugly misses. Yeah, I mean, he barely sure. got it to the rim. Yeah. Um, that that was some Keith Appling post-wrist surgery type type ordeal. Not fun to watch. Um, I don't know. It's it, it's disappointing. Um, it, it got very frustrating for me afterwards at watching FAU beat Kansas State because it's like yeah there there should on no planet should something named after an ocean make it to the final four when you don't on no planet um yeah a great also a great game that Kansas State Florida Atlantic game um which is odd that Florida Atlantic who is now kind of the team of destiny when you kind of thought. That was Kansas State's vibe. Yeah, they were a three seed. They were picked last in the Big 12 to start the year. They didn't have a single player from last year's team on this year's roster. First year head coach. Um, and they kind of were ranked all year, competed and beat some of the best teams in probably the best basketball conference this year in the Big 12. Yep. And still came into the tournament as what many people saw as uh, an overseeded three seed. Uh, they were not the favorite against MSU. Until basically tip off, they were not the favorite against Kentucky in the round prior, um, and they were only really, I believe, a four or five point favorite against a nine seed, uh, non power five Florida Atlantic team in the Elite Eight, who they ultimately obviously lost to. Uh, so the line may have been appropriate, uh, but you kind of thought they were this team of destiny with this Marquise Noel vibes. Obviously, the storyline with Keontae Johnson. Um, and the pew beard, maybe we should. I wish we had the tech to cut it out because probably shouldn't be calling him pew beard. But he did not miss a three. The supporting oh, uh, cast for the Kansas State Wildcats is just better than ours, and I think that's that's really what it comes down to when you're in a shootout like that. Is where can you get the shots from from your third, fourth, fifth, sixth option? Uh, and they just had that more than we did. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I overall. Um, I mean, looking at the season. Yeah, that was my I mean, next question. I, I don't even know if you consider it a success because, like, 
getting to the Sweet 16 for a school like Michigan State, a school with Tom Izzo used to be the baseline. But mm-hmm. we've fallen so far, and no one expected anything out of this team. So maybe you do consider this a success, and then you just realize, wow, we have fallen off. Um, I just – I, just, I think that's a bit of an overreact. I, I, do, I do think that you're right in that this year's team's expectations were not high. They weren't ranked coming into the year. I remember watching that Gonzaga game, game one on the air carrier, and being like, oh, my God, Maddie Sissoko's a starter on this team. How are they going to win 15 games? Um, and they did. They were probably – they stayed in the six to nine seed range the entire season. Yep. Um, aside from, you know, beating Kentucky early. And I think they went on the run in December in their non-conference schedule. Um, but you're right in that this team, I don't think that it was a success per se, but I don't think it was a failure. I think it was exactly what you would have thought. Uh, a team that was probably around a 32 team and had a chance to, if the matchup was favorable, to play in a Sweet 16 or maybe even Elite Eight. And that's exactly what happened. They were a seven seed. They played in a tough conference in the Big Ten. In a down year, I will say overall, there wasn't exactly the top heavy talent that the Big Ten is used to having. Um, I do, I think it's an overreaction in the in that you say, "Oh wow, this is how far we've come." Yes, I think you could, based on the precedent of now the last three seasons, that that's somewhat correct. I think it's a bit of an overstatement to say, oh, yeah, is that not the expectation? Because I do think the expectation is there for next season. They'll come in the next year probably a top 15 preseason ranked team with the recruiting class. With when I've, From what I've seen, everybody coming back except for Joey Hauser at the moment, uh, which that's a big loss with what he did. We could talk about him too, a guy that was one of the all-time hounded, most hated most crucified players, yes. Me, I was going to say me. I was one of those. Yes, I was you're just one, kind of, of, you're I, one of them. Crucified players came in with such a high expectation as a transfer, sat out of here, didn't exactly for his first two seasons prove to be anything special, uh, let alone anything at all, arguably. Uh, yeah. And then to come in and have a year where he averages over 15 points a game, uh, he shot the three over 40%. Uh, and was the number one scoring option on a Sweet 16 team. While it's not like a heralded will go down in Michigan State history season or career, uh, it's a nice ending and it's a solid and justified. I feel like it's like justice for kind of how crucified he was the last two seasons in East Lansing. No, I mean, again, as one of those people who uh, really didn't like him and who thought – oh my God, if you're going to go into a season starting and relying on Joey Hauser for scoring, you might be in for a very long season. Yeah, no, he completely turned the corner. I mean, he, I think if I remember, I don't remember his exact point total from last year, but I think he more than doubled it. So you're right. He, he I think he went from like seven points per game in 2021, 22 to like you said, over 15 in 22, 23. He turned in, he turned into catch and shoot Jesus. Um, it was oh, yeah. still. It was a little disappointing that he never really developed a move off the dribble because no. he could he could have become he could have became a much more dangerous two way scorer as opposed to just the guy that run off screens and step in the threes whenever the defense was kind of sagging. But my God, when he was I mean, when he was shooting, he was shooting. It was, okay. it was lights out. It was one of the best shooters in America. It was it was amazing. Um, and you're right. It, it's 
it's good for him. Um, happy that he could go out on a high note. Happy that it didn't end the way I thought it would end because that just would have been ugly. Um, but now, what is your expectation of this for this team? Uh, very early for next year with what they have returning, with what the recruiting class is supposed to be uh, hyped up to be? I can't call it Final Four or bust because it's one, it, it is one game at a time, and in, in March Madness, anything can happen. But to me, even a, like a, a Sweet 16 seems like kind of – and very early also depends on what happens. If yes. Tyson Hogarth's gone and Walker's gone and – you lose your three best players from last year, maybe even Malik Hall's gone, and you're running into next season giving Pierre Brooks and Trey Holloman long-term minutes as backups, then there it changes. But sure. assuming that it is everybody but Joey Hauser, I mean, you have to be in the second weekend at a bare minimum. Yeah. You have to be in the second weekend. And, I'd agree. And I know I've, I've spent the last two months – uh, yelling at my friends saying that Izzo's washed and I kept using the second weekends as a kind of a barometer but even like even that for me I don't even know if that's enough because like when I said like the sweet 16 used to be the norm I think I was crunching these numbers in Tom Izzo's first 20 years he made it to 14 sweet 16s that's that's how you get named Mr. March that's absurd and then two, that would be two and in then, the last eight. Then two in the last seven. Seven. That's a that's a big drop off, and obviously, Mister March also does kind of extend two Final Fours, and then usually that's why he's called Mister March and not Mister April because he usually <laughs> does fumble the bag in the Final Four. But um, no, for me, it's the second weekend at a bare minimum, and I also do think on top of that, like because the tournament is so important, all gets forgotten as soon as you get there. But I do think this needs yeah. to be a top three seed. Um, if you're, if you're running a four or a five seed line, I think you probably underachieved in the regular season because yeah. like you mentioned, I'll actually one up you. I think it'll be a preseason top 10 team. I mean, college basketball, and maybe that's an issue of the AP, but they love putting emphasis on recruiting classes. When, when they combine Michigan State's top, I think it's two or three recruiting class in America combined with what we assume to be sports. Okay. When you combine that with what we assume to be returning in Hogard, Walker, Malik Hall, I don't even know if I want him back. But um, when, when you combine those two, I do think you're going to end up with a preseason team. It's Tom Mizzo, it's Michigan State, it's the buzz. College basketball loves that. Um, let's just hope that they can live up to what, what one of those preseason expectations, get one of those top two seeds. And, and instead of having to scrap and claw their way into a sweet 16 and elite eight, maybe they can get something more favorable and play some of the weaker seeds, you know, let right. somebody play else some get higher upset. numbers. Yeah. Let someone else get upset. And then you can play the team that's no longer running on adrenaline because their adrenaline ran out in their previous game. That would be awesome. But yep. I think you make some valid points, though, in that you – assuming everyone, but even say um, I'm pretty uh, bullish and I, I don't think Tyson Walker ends up coming back, which is a huge loss also. Yep. So say – but I still think even that – you say you lose the three guys that walked on senior day, uh, you still have Steven Izzo coming <laughs> – I'm kidding. Hey, uh, Steven Izzo's uh, never lost a game in his career. That's all I can say. That's true. Uh, but it, more importantly, you have the most important position coming back, A.J. Hogarth at point. 
Uh, You theoretically have a five-star big man coming in to replace your weakest spot. Uh, With uh, Sissoko being a physical guy that could come off the bench, you have Jeremy Fears and Holloman uh, hopefully kind of in the backcourt as well. You do think that even without Tyson Walker, I think that Jaden Akins can be that if not more. And I think he was just as good as Tyson Walker at times this year. It's just sometimes he doesn't get the amount of touches because it's clear that Walker is going to get, was going to get those. So, but I think they could at, at times this year, you could argue they were the same exact player. So since it seems like we're doing an entire season recap of Michigan state right now, I want to give mad props to Jaden Akins. I know we all love talking about, Oh, he'll make some improvements in the off season. Jaden Akins between November and March, I th- I think he was a completely different player. The shots were falling. I mean, I, I don't really remember him hit- hitting many jump shots last year and then in the beginning of this year. And then by the end of the by the end of the season, he was dropping what, 35, 40% from deep. Um, the athleticism, the dunks, the defense that you get from someone being that twitchy. Um, I know I, I think I said it to you. It's a shame he's only 6'3". If he was 6'5", he would probably be seen as a pretty legitimate first round prospect. I'm not going to mm-hmm. reach into the upper echelons of lottery, but he definitely would have been that prototype three and D wing that the NBA craves these days. Um, so kudos to him is if we're going to keep doing season recaps, you mentioned uh, Xavier Booker, the big man. Um, another thing that this team desperately needed this year was a scoring big man that Tom Izzo just refused to go into the portal. Um, I don't know why. You, I, I think we played – I think the NCAA gives you 13 scholarships per team, and Michigan State had 9 or 10. I, I don't understand that. Um, Old man barking at a cloud theory. That's what, that's what his theory is. I, I just I – I, I, I didn't really get that. Um, but maybe he was always planning on leaving those three scholarships open because he ex- expected people to come back, and then he could mesh the recruiting class next year with those who come back. I don't know. I just thought that – Anytime you don't use almost 30% of what's allotted for scholarships, you're probably going to set yourself up for a, a tough time because you're limiting yourself with the types of players and types of options you can have. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, if, again, if we're doing season recaps, I mean, I'll let you take over. I've, I've, I know I've kind of gone on for a, a while now. No, no, and you've done a good job of highlighting the main points. I mean, do you want me to go through every single player's season and give them a grade? I mean, I could. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if that's necessarily necessary, but I will do it. I'm going to give Joey Hauser a uh, A minus uh, for the improvements he's made in the scoring factory. It was not an A season. I still didn't think he was a great four matchup defensively at times. Um, and again, inconsistent off the dribble to be that two-dimensional scorer. Uh, Malik Hall, I'm going to give a uh, a a, a, a what would be a di- unavailable? I almost feel like I feel, yeah, I feel bad because it was so clear he got injured twice. He missed, I want to say, around almost ten games. Yep. Um, and then he came back and kind of just looked injured all year. And it, I don't want to be so harsh on him, even though like I think a lot of people are because it was ugly at times. But at the same time he was able to fill in a very important defensive role guarding basically anywhere from a two to a five at times this year. Um, I'm going to give him an unavailable. Um, I, I Tyson Walker, Tyson Walker, I'm going to give a B. 
Uh, I, he, he, he's took a major step forward in the scoring department and was a very clutch shooter. Uh, didn't necessarily take over the game ball handling wise uh, as much as last year, uh, nor was, is he a great defensive matchup? That's more because of his size. Um, I'm going to give AJ Hogarth a B as well. He also made great improvements and he just kind of struggles with the jump shot still. Um, and I think he still kind of falls into the Izzo point guard if he likes to go too fast and rushes himself at times. Um, who else we got? Jaden Akins gets a B plus. Like you said, probably the biggest jump, even considering Hauser, I think, uh, was Jaden Akins into a primetime three-point scorer as well as the athlete he became this year, uh, or that he probably already was. Um, uh, who else am I missing? Sissoko. Sissoko, Sissoko, I'm going to give a C. Uh, it's kind of about what I expected he would be. Um, maybe not after the Gonzaga and the Kentucky games, <laughs> but uh, no inside threat. Was a valuable defensive asset against a lot of good big men in the Big Ten. Uh, plays hard. You can never question that. Um, still has a long ways to go, and he's a senior next year. So um, I don't know if that jump will be made. I'm doubtful of that jump, I should say. Uh, as far as bench players, Trey Holloman gets a D plus, uh, very contributed very little, was scared to shoot the ball at times. I think he wanted, he probably had six points all year. Uh, not a great defender. Uh, I'm not very bullish with a four or five star point guard coming in that he's going to get any minutes at all. And I actually think you could see him in the transfer portal this summer. Um, Jackson Kohler, another guy I think you could see in the transfer portal this year with Xavier Booker coming in and Sissoko still two more years of eligibility left. Probably showed flashes in the limited minutes he got of an inside game. I don't think he's tall enough to be a true starter in the Big Ten um, unless he kind of shoves off, shaves off some of that baby fat and gets a little more athletic. Um, Carson Cooper is going to get a B-plus in my mind. Someone who was expected to be uh, redshirted ended up playing more minutes when it mattered most than Cooper, who was a four-star recruit. Uh, tall, lengthy, uh, provided stuff, obviously provided nothing offensively, uh, provided a good matchup defensively. When I, I think we – Sissoko is only 6'9 and Kohler six 6'8. Uh, so I think having a 6'11", 7-footer helped us in that regard. And that's – oh, Pierre Brooks gets an F. Uh, a guy that was a starter at the beginning of the year didn't even play probably the last month of the season. I've I've heard that him and Izzo have had butt heads like even more than him and Hogard that and that there's kind of an attitude problem with Pierre Brooks, um, a guy that was a higher recruit than Jaden Akins coming in. Uh, obviously, their first two years in MSU have vastly different outcomes. Um, and hopefully he can turn that around because he, he could be a valuable shooter as kind of a three and D in the big, in like a big 10 role. Um, he's athletic and big enough to be, uh, but didn't do it this year whatsoever. And that's everyone I'm going to grade. If Steve Izzo gets an A for uh, his, his, his cheering and holding back his dad from referees. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I think I kind of agree with all of that. Um, you make a good point with Pierre Brooks. I do think he kind of gives you something. We had this conversation where it was, who do you have more hope in, Trey Holloman or Pierre Brooks? And 
I think I went with Pierre Brooks solely on the basis that he's a little, he, he has, he, I think he transitions a little more into natural basketball for his like, Holloman reminds me of, like a Tum Tum Nairn who just kind of like ran around and dribbled the ball. I never really knew what he did on the court. What like, yeah, it's it's not like he's some lockdown defender who you have to keep on the court because you know he can shut down the other team's one, two, three guys, and then unfortunately you have to play four on five on the the offensive end because of him being there. But you take the defensive. I just I didn't really understand what he does. So right. if if he does end up in the portal, that'll be um, I think that might be best. Um. But at the same time, he is a freshman. I mean, Cassius Winston didn't really provide much more than what Holloman did his freshman year. You sure about that? Cassius okay. started. No, he didn't. He did not start for the majority of his freshman year. You sure? Let's Google this because I was a Michigan fan at this point in my, my life. <laughs> That's true. We were still in high school. I know you were probably a big – I mean, see, I remember him starting as part of that freshman four. I remember him coming off the bench early, or at least early in that season. So he started five games his freshman year. Fair enough. He did play 19 minutes a game, so that's that's quite a bit off the bench. Yeah, I mean, I guess – yeah, I mean, Winston did always have that kind of – that big jump so he did his second year, but – I guess I can agree with that. That was one maybe, and maybe that's not. Maybe you're not starting from the same bottom level, but if you can see the same jump from Holloman, if you yeah. can transition, like we said, into a to a good backup point guard or two, I don't know. Um, do we want to get back into the tournament? I know this was yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I, again, I I enjoy this Michigan State season recap. Um, I think it's probably well needed and it's a good discussion, but. As far as the sweet rest of the Sweet 16 go, I think the really only the big story. Also, Gonzaga-UCLA was a great game right afterwards from the yep. state game. Uh, the other big story is the one seeds. For the first time ever, uh, no one seeds appeared in the Elite Eight. That was San Diego State upsetting Alabama and then uh, Miami kind of beating down on Houston. I wasn't necessarily surprised. I don't think that – I think most people weren't. This is kind of a year where everyone said there was no dominant team. I think as far as uh, presence and NBA presence, uh, Alabama – also Houston has two first-round picks as well. Alabama looked like they could have been that team, but I don't think they were compared to teams we've seen in the past. So I wasn't necessarily surprised. I don't know about you. Well, with the Alabama thing, I think a lot of that can be contributed to Brandon Miller having an all-time disaster class tournament. I mean, we're talking about a guy who was supposed to be – or who probably will still be a top three, maybe four pick. And, I mean, he yeah, I mean, if I, he shot terribly. He played poorly all tournament, even when they were winning. So, I think I think Alabama gets a uh, – they, they walked in as that kind of one seed, but I think – I don't know if it's the media pressure of – kind of like with the news and people too many people are asking questions about what Brandon Miller may or may not have been doing with his teammate at two in the morning and they, maybe they didn't focus on basketball but yeah um having the one seeds all go down was cool um I mean I mean what am I gonna say Creighton hammered Princeton maybe you expect that Princeton runs off adrenaline the first weekend they get up they get a week to kind of prepare but that week also brings them back down to earth. I mean, you're right. Gonzaga UCLA was a great game back and forth. You kind of wondered how UCLA blew that lead. Um, 
I said, yeah. they're gonna, I said they're going to fit right into the Big Ten, choking in the tournament like that. Um, Rick Two Barnes. Timmy 35 points in that game. Yep. Yeah, no, Rick Barnes, serial choker. Um, I don't know. I mean, UConn looks good. I think we'll probably get into more of that with when we start talking to today, but yeah, I don't really have too much else about the Sweet 16. Yeah, and then Elite Eight-wise, it was San Diego State with a one-point victory over Creighton, uh, birthing their first appearance ever as a program. Good for the Mountain West. I mean, I ragged on early in this in the show. Does. The Mountain West sucks in the tournament. Do we I believe it's to... the first Mountain West team to even get to the Elite Eight, I think I saw. I could see. I mean, Doug, speaking of Mountain West, do we want to talk about the ending of that game with the very soft call with the hand on the hip as the guy shooting the is this guy shooting the last shot? So I didn't really see that. Uh, so, explain it to me. That kind of last play of the game. Um, San Diego State's got the ball. Um, guy goes up for a shot. The Creighton guy just casually kind of puts his hand on his hip as he's in the air, and the referees whistled it. Um, I guess by the textbook definition, that is a foul. You can't do that. But to decide a basketball game, decide who's going to a Final Four. Um, you mean I watched? They, they let they kind of let the boys play earlier in the game. It it, it was a little weird. Uh, I personally didn't agree with the call in that situation, but. I guess I, I do understand and I do see the argument of if it's a foul in the first minute, it's a foul in the last minute. The rules are the rules. So I don't know. It, it was just – it was just My counter, of, my counter to that is do you remember a couple weeks ago in this little event called the Super Bowl yep. when everyone complained about a holding call where a guy had his hand on his hip and they decided a Super Bowl essentially because of it? Yeah. And again, These things I, happen. You know, and that's where I don't, I don't, I'm not really sure there's a right answer. I just think there's, I th- or let me first, I think the right answer is making sure you stay consistent. If you want to disregard mm-hmm. the rules as a referee and say, I like more of a more physical style of game, then you have to stick with it. Or if you say the rules are the rules, you also have to stick with it. And you have to call the ticky tack falls the entire game, not just at the end. Um, yeah, not really much there. Um, Miami, Texas, Texas kind of blowing that lead. Um, yeah. Tough for them. That was a choke job. It was a choke job. Um, UConn hammered Gonzaga. Yeah, that's kind of the biggest storyline, I think, of the Final Four, no? Is that UConn's closest game is 15 points so far in the tournament? Yep. And that name, could that be one of those where UConn and, or UConn just kind of, or Gonzaga kind of came out flat with with that kind of emotional win the the, the two days before? Maybe, maybe not, but. Yeah, I would say UConn probably looks like the best team left in this tournament. Not that that's saying much because this tournament is left with a collection of nobodies. Um, I, 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 I say that as kind of a segue because I do want to talk about this Final Four. Um, I know you and I were talking before we started the recording, but I think this is going to be one of the, the most boring and least watched and just kind of uninteresting. Do you, Final now, Fours. do you think that's because last year – the most recent one in his, in your mind was Kansas, Duke, North Carolina, Duke and North Carolina in Coach K's last game. Yep. Like, I think that's kind of in people's heads where now we get San Diego State and Florida Atlantic. Okay. Like, the storylines just aren't there. Yeah. I know how Florida Atlantic is on this crazy 34-3 and three season. 
but it's yeah i think we had such a great storyline last and then you think the year before was i mean people like to see the underdog at the same time but you had baylor and gonzaga who were literally one and two the entire season and you were trying to say who was going to be the best of those two they were clearly the best two teams in the national championship um so I think those two storylines, so that past two years coming into this year, I do agree is a bit of a dis- disappointment. Yeah, no, I, I don't say this in a sense that, oh, I'm not going to watch it. You know, I mean, I'm a nerd for sports. I love basketball, love college basketball. I'm certainly going to watch it. But I do think, and yeah, you're right. I mean, especially last year, because last year the storylines were through the roof. I mean, you were never going to compare with it. But I just think the lack of kind of basketball names, and I'll kind of say this thing that I know a lot of people usually say is March Madness, the first weekend should be all about exits, should be all about upsets, it should be all about kind of the Cinderella's. And then, I, and then in my opinion, the second weekend should be where the good teams kind of take over, show their power, and then kind of walk into a Final Four, getting ready to kind of, it's like Clash of Titans as opposed to hey, we're really happy to be here. We're making our first Final Four appearance. And, oh, my God, either FAU or San Diego State's going to be playing for a national title. Yeah, that's the scary part. Is, But at the same time, FAU, do you think it's more just the name? Uh, they were, they're not a Power 5 school. Where most most years, the nine seeds are Power 5 schools. That, that's and true. Every, I think there's only one time in the last eight years that a, a 7 through 10, I think it is, was not in the Final Four. So like the lowest seat or highest seat, I guess, was something uh, lower than like a seven. So they've had at least a seven every every year for except for one. That's actually a very fair point. I mean, if you strip off the logo and you just look at record, the way the team plays, maybe there is a much more exciting um, style and maybe a much more exciting brand of basketball than just looking at it and saying, why is there an ocean in the final four? Right. Um, North Carolina was an eight seed. Yeah, no, that that's actually an incredible point. Um, and maybe part of that, maybe part of the me picking on FAU is because the other counterparts in the Final Four all suck. I mean, if FAU's playing a number one seed Alabama, maybe it's a little different. Maybe you're sitting there saying, "Oh, cool, you know the Cinderella's here," but there's the real teams right. are still around. You're still watching some NBA players. You're still watching this. You're still watching that. But I mean, San Diego State. It's like it's it's not even and again a non power five like a, a team that's I would say San Diego State is consistently a five to a nine like every year it seems like but like again a non power five non exciting name to play that Cinderella I think is a great point where if they were going against a top three say a top three seed that is a blue blood program um, that's there consistently there'd be a little something there to sink your teeth into. Instead of no, two the, other, teams. the other thing is, I mean, three of the four schools are making their first ever Final Four right. appearance. That's crazy. Um, actually, I'm sure that's probably happened once or twice back in the 70s or 40s or whenever they they've the done first it. year they did the tournament. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh wow, we have four schools making their appearance. Well, thanks, Jeff. Like it's the first year of the tournament, so <laughs> that's, that's actually really good. But I, I'm sure with that, um, yeah. I, I'm not going to sit here and say they're not going to play good basketball. I'm hoping for great basketball. I'm hoping for a Michigan State, Kansas State game. Just kind of the whole time the game is close. I don't really like – even though the game might end the same way, like I don't, I'm not really a fan of watching one team be up by 15 for 
35 minutes and then having the other team come back in five because you spent 35 minutes just kind of saying, oh, well, this is kind of a blowout. I would prefer it yeah. stays within five points, six points most of the game. We'll see what happens. Um, like I said, UConn looks like the best team left, which means that they'll probably get hammered by Miami, and we'll probably be looking at San Diego State <laughs> as national champion. But, you know. <laughs> what a year that would be. But I want to make another point before we close it out. I actually think, well, Miami and UConn, you're looking at probably a better matchup. Both teams were ranked pretty much a good chunk of the season. Uh, obviously a down year in the ACC for Miami to have this make their first Final Four. Good for them. The Big Ten couldn't do it in a down year. We, could, we only had one team in the Sweet 16. Anyways, my point is UConn. A team probably seven years ago, maybe a little longer, you wouldn't have batted an eye about and you wouldn't have complained about no big teams being in or no big names being in. But no one seems to say that in 2023 with a name like UConn in the tournament. Why is that? Have we forgotten? Have they lost their status? What is that? What is that that they're not considered? Oh, there's no big names in the tournament. You have UConn. UConn's won more national championships than Tom Izzo has since Tom Izzo's been around. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. Um, I'm sorry, I uh I just got a notification that uh J Klein eighteen sent me a trade a trade off no, on no. fantasy football, so I'm looking at this. I I kind of toned out what you're saying, but that I actually don't. Can I can I read you this? New news. <laughs> I'm being offered Mike Williams. Terrace Marshall and Slore's 2025 second round pick for Calvin Ridley. I actually don't think that's that bad of an offer. No, it's not. It's not <laughs> at all, actually. <laughs> I might counter and try and get a first from him. Like How old maybe, is Mike Williams now? Probably the same age as Ridley. Mike Williams, 28. Calvin Ridley, 28. Oh. I mean, <laughs> and Cal- Calvin Ridley's going to, I guess he's going to be on the. Jaguar. If I can counter and get a first for him, maybe take off Marshall, oh. swap the second for a first, and can you imagine turning Calvin Ridley? There's no like, way he's doing that. Dude, he's he led with this. <laughs> he's willing yeah. to go higher. Yeah, I might accept that, to be honest. I'm going to strong. I might sit there and change it. I might maybe I'll offer him back one of my 17 second round picks next year. I actually think I might have his. I might offer him, here. here's your second round pick, Klein, in case it goes wrong. Give me, give me a first, a first in 2025. Plus, if I get Mike Williams out of this. Yeah. Yeah. I, talk about podcasting. Uh, I'm sorry. Again, I apologize. I know you were, you were in, you were kind of talking about you kind of. No, no, it's okay. Over, it's a moot point I, at this point. I, I saw, I saw the, the notification. I mean, you, you know, Clyde, I was kind of expecting something to laugh at it, let you kind of finish and be like, well, get a load of this. But I actually am saying, well, get a load of this. Yeah. Listen, I have no trades in that league. Uh, yeah, I feel bad. What if Clyde listens? You just totally talk down on his trading ability in fantasy football. Well, well, Clyde's not a real person. It's uh, the commi- That's the commissioner's burner. So. Oh. Maybe the commissioner's listening and his alter ego is getting upset. I'm, I I actually know them. I've met Klein. Is he, actually a, is he a real person? Uh, maybe it was Josh just covering his tracks and the guy was actually named like Tom or something. <laughs> a pay, he's got a paid actor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Paid actor so that I can win $100 a year in my fantasy football league <laughs> that I haven't won yet. Oh, 
Oh, that's this seems like a pretty this seems like a decent place to kind of wrap it up. I mean, do do you want to kind of reiterate what you were saying um, with the UConn stuff, or do we kind of say? No, it's just my point of I think we've forgotten what UConn used to be or what UConn was, um, and now we're a little we kind of bad an eye at this being kind of a surprise that they're there when they're they are this program that has a history of being there. That was really oh, the extent of the point. Three titles in the last twenty years, I think. What is it? O two. 11 and then I guess what 21 years um so yeah though no, they've got they've got some players they've got they've got titles so they've got they've got the pedigree so they're certainly the team that is going to walk in being favored over everyone else on that neutral court we'll see what happens I mean it takes one bad game takes one great game and we'll see what happens I mean a part of me hopes it's UConn just because I, I really don't want to watch a San Diego State win a title. I especially don't want to watch Florida Atlantic lift a title at that. If I see Florida Atlantic cutting down nets, I'm going to lose my mind. I think I'd rather that than San Diego State. It'd be a little cooler story. I just, I just think that if the longer Florida Atlantic keeps winning, the more I think to myself, well, why didn't Michigan State just beat them and like go well, say? Well, did Michigan State go 34 and three and make a Final Four? If Michigan State played in the Conference USA, they could have. <laughs> I'm just saying, <laughs> you know. Uh, I, again, maybe it's maybe this is just me trying to like create false storylines so that I could be like more upset with that ba- with with our basketball team because yeah. Let's let's uh, all right. Florida Atlantic lost to Ole Miss below 500 team. They beat Detroit Mercy. Thank God they beat Eastern by 30. Uh, yeah, that is the only. So they're zero and one against the Power Five prior to the tournament. They killed everybody though. Jesus. What were their other two losses? If you just said it's just Ole Miss, they lost to they lost two conference games. Oh wow! They lost to. They haven't lost in a while, actually. Uh. So Ole Miss was no, November 11th. Oh, they beat Florida. So they're one and one against the, the... – Jesus, when did they last lose? Did they ever lose? I mean, they have three losses, so they better have lost. Oh, they lost the UAB in February, February 2nd. And – they lost to Florida Gulf Coast in November. Nope, they beat Florida Gulf Coast. Oh, they lost to Middle Tennessee State in February. So they actually lost two games in February. There you go. All right. Uh, that's going to be it for this episode of the podcast. Uh, I'll probably do a little something with the Tigers. I know they start their season this week uh, on next week's show. Uh, so we'll have Tigers. We'll have a recap of the Final Four and the National Championship. So next time we speak, uh, there'll be a champion crowned. And we'll also have a Masters preview as next weekend, not this upcoming, but next weekend is the crown jewel of golf. Thanks for listening, guys. Please come back next time. Hopefully you made it this far. If you didn't, 
you wouldn't be listening right now. So why am I even talking to you? Bye. Peace, everyone.